Welcome to a special San Diego edition of First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers and lovers of the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. We are coming to you live from the very exciting conference of Society of Biblical Literature slash American Academy of Religion. And yes, folks, it is as wild as it sounds. But we are pausing our crazy learning to bring you an episode of First Reading. This episode specifically is for December 8th, 2019, the second week of Advent. And Tim is going to be tackling Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 10. So, are you feeling in the Advent mood, Tim? Yes, although we're recording before Thanksgiving, so, you know, (laughs) but we're going to make the most of it. Don't play any Christmas carols, we'll be okay. (laughs) All right. And yes, we are. We're in the exhibit hall at the convention center in San Diego. And so you might hear a little bit of uh, background noise here. Just uh, embrace, the, uh, embrace the moment. And the first thing I want to say is, is that uh, I would recommend that all of you go back and listen to our previous episode with Tyler Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Go back and listen to at least the first 10 minutes of that episode, which really sets the tone for this whole month of Advent especially Tyler's encouragement for us uh, as preachers to move beyond the sort of prediction fulfillment model of treating these Isaiah passages. And I'll say a little bit more about that. Yeah, no, I would definitely suggest that as well. That was a really helpful interview. And I found myself thinking, wow, I wish I would have had this conversation before I had gone into the parish. It would have changed the way I preached in Advent. Right. So with Isaiah 11 in particular, what we're saying is, don't read this chapter and say, oh, from Jesse's stock up springing, Jesus is the root of Jesse. Isaiah predicted that someday a Messiah would come, and Jesus fulfilled it by being born. <laughs> uh, if, if we say Isaiah foretold it, Jesus fulfilled it, and then move on to the gospel reading, we'll have missed so much of what Isaiah can speak into our present need. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's entirely appropriate to talk about Jesus during Advent. Yes. It would be sort of weird if Christians didn't. (laughs) But if you want to use a biblical text like this one for your sermon, it's essential, I would say, to listen carefully to what the prophet is actually saying. Then we can speak with much more clarity about whether or how Jesus might bring this kind of a vision to fulfillment. So let's take a minute to, to have a look like that at some of the features of this passage. In Isaiah 1, Isaiah calls Jesse a stump. Why? Well, if we read back a few verses in Isaiah 10, we see that God is planning to allow the might of the Assyrian Empire to demolish the kingdom of Israel, leaving only a remnant, and to decimate Judah as well, even up to the doorstep of Jerusalem. God compares the proud in Jerusalem, including the kings who have led the people astray, compares them to a forest of trees that God, by means of Assyria, will mow down. The last line of chapter 10 reads in the NRSV, God will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe. And Lebanon, used here as a metaphor for the tree-like haughtiness of Zion's leaders, Lebanon with its majestic trees will fall. But 11.1 begins, from the stump of Jesse, a new branch will sprout. Mm. This is the shift for Isaiah. Even after all of this doom is meted out in geopolitical conquest, There's a vision for renewal on the other side. Isaiah envisions that everything that was broken with Judah's monarchy can be unbroken and remade when the Spirit of God rests on a new leader. 
And notice that it's a shoot from the stump of Jesse, not a shoot from the stump of David, which is what I was expecting to read there. So why does Isaiah go back a generation from David to his father Jesse? Well, it's hard to say with certainty (laughs) in such a rich poetic text. But just my own hunch is that I think Isaiah is envisioning here a new David, not just another descendant of David, uh, though the king would be that too, but kind of a a David 2.0 from Jesse's stock. And what will that leadership look like when the Spirit of God rests upon a leader of God's people? It'll look like just judgments, not swayed by appearances or rumors, leadership that gives justice to the poor and just deserts to the tyrannical. In this administration, natural predators and prey will hang together without fear of violence. I think that's an image of peace between enemy nations that would have really resonated with Isaiah's own Judahites, who were living like sheep surrounded by wolves. And in the end, as verses 9 and 10 get at, even outsiders to Judah will be drawn to discover the goodness of God. Now, even though Isaiah himself may have been hoping for this divine overhaul to happen in his own generation, it wasn't fully realized. Instead, both Israel and Judah were crushed by the power of world empires. And when Judah was reconstituted a generation later, there wasn't a Davidic king to carry out the vision of leadership that Isaiah longed for. But his words were preserved and became a hope and a vocation for every generation. In the days of the early church, New Testament authors found that this vision of Isaiah resonated with what they believed about Jesus. The New Testament readings for this week make those connections. Paul in Romans notes the way that seeking Gentiles are being drawn to God through Jesus. And the author of the first gospel recalls the sort of tree-chopping language of Isaiah and puts it in the mouth of John the Baptist. Now, I believe that Jesus does fulfill this vision of Isaiah's for godly leadership, leadership marked by the resting of God's Spirit on him. But Jesus' leadership doesn't fulfill this prophecy in a way that makes it obsolete. Our own world is just as desperate for justice and wisdom and dignified leadership as was Isaiah's world and Jesus' world and Paul's world and Matthew's worlds. We can read Isaiah through the lens of Jesus, and yes, let's do that, But the point of doing that is so that the light of God's word can shine through the lens of Jesus like the sun through a magnifier, focusing that light like like a laser light on our own lives and situations and making clear the responsibility that we have in our generation as those on whom the Spirit of God rests to advocate for the healing of the world that Isaiah had dreamed about so long ago. Isaiah calls us to it. Jesus empowers us for it. So let's work together for a world where the knowledge of God covers the earth like the water covers the sea. That's where I'd take a sermon on Mm. Isaiah 11. Mm. I like so much of what you said, Tim. I I had to start taking notes because there were so many things that stood out to me. The the way you brought out the stump imagery, I I had, you know, I knew that image, but Mm -hmm. to think about uh, how sometimes in the prophets God says, "I will, you know, destroy it all, and I will, I will bulldoze everything." And then in the very next chapter, there's this stump, and it's almost like the creative nature of God cannot help but bring life. Like it always stops short of total decimation, and any even the smallest stump 
is enough for God to start bringing life again. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I was thinking about that. It's just really powerful the way that even God's judgment is more about discipline than it is about sort of a final wiping out. Mm-hmm. Or at yeah. least that's one way to look at it. Yeah, no, I think so too. I, I think the other thing that was nice too was you were talking about the, um, the, uh, the victim and the victimizer um, mm-hmm. being together without fear. Yeah. And that, that brought up for me, um, someone at the conference was talking about the brokenness of those who hurt others that, that it's, it's dangerous even for the victimizer mm-hmm. and that that image is one of safety and healing for both the oppressor and the oppressed. Oh yeah, that's really good because it's not just that the, the lambs get their day, yes. but it's that the wolf and the lamb are together in peace. Which is an ultimate image of healing like you right. brought up. So. Well, wonderful. Uh, folks, I, I hope you found inspiration today. I know I sure did, and I'm not even preaching on that this week, but um, <laughs> hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you're looking for more, head on over to our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. There you can find old episodes, links to uh, the recent Tyler Mayfield uh, episode and, and his work, along with our other scholars. And be sure to like us and, and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Happy Advent.